to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two guys who believe Die Hard is the greatest Christmas movie. What's up, Chuck and Gene? Hey, Dave. Um, I do not believe that Die Hard is the greatest Christmas movie. I do believe that Die Hard counts as a Christmas movie. Okay. Um, just Die Hard 1, nine of the sequels. Um, this is Chuck Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. My name is Gene Zilak. You can find me on Twitter at Producer Gene. And have you guys seen that they've actually got like a Christmas book out about Die Hard with like adorable little cartoons? So if you've got any Die Hard Christmas fans on your wish list, think about that as a gift idea. Well, I brought that up for two reasons today. Sorry, did I step on you there, Chuck? No, I was assuming one of the reasons was to fill time, but... Okay, well, three reasons then. Okay. okay. So, <laughs> fill time. Uh, and I, I was making uh, uh, Carson Wentz, John McClane uh, parallels today. Like, he's he's hard to kill this season. Eagles stay alive again today. He does often look like he's just walked across, uh, like, a floor full of glass, too, sometimes. Yeah, I mean the third reason is that I abandoned the uh, uh, I abandoned the Cowboys game pretty early, and uh, we watched Die Hard. Nice. Yeah, first time, first time the uh, the the kids uh, ran through the Die Hard. Nice. We we had both kids. Well, Patrick uh, put headphones on halfway through the thing and just kind of bailed out on. But my oldest, yeah. <laughs> oh, is this bad parenting by me, Chuck? Is that what the insinuation? Is no, here? no, no. I I do not judge anyone else's parenting. I just I. <laughs> I, I had questions. That's, sure. That's all I had to say. That's how I used to tra- – when my dad would put on uh, this old house on Sunday afternoon and then claim to be uh, giving his eyelids a rest, uh, that's what I would do is put on headphones. Yeah, but did Bob Vila say, like, <laughs> yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker? Like... <laughs> I don't know. I had headphones on, Chuck. Oh, maybe he did. Well, maybe whatever. Did. If they're sitting next to me watching an Eagles game, it can't be any worse. <laughs> I, I did. I, I did not realize that. So the Eagles win today in uh, what could possibly be the NFL's world like greatest covering of a spread game <laughs> in history today to stay alive and uh, and and set up uh, a playoff game next week, basically. And the only people that got screwed were people that bet on the Redskins. So it's even better. You know, what I mean, like you bet the Eagles, you were good. So. Well, if you bet on the Redskins getting eight points, you were right. Like, you had that thing sewn up. Yeah, but karma is... You could have had the best of both worlds, been right, and seen an Eagles victory. Yeah. This is exactly the reason why I don't bet Eagles games, though, just for the record. This is the exact same reason why you shouldn't bet. (laughs) (laughs) Even when you're right, you're wrong. They know. They always know. I don't know how they know, but they know. Um, all right, we'll get into the end of the game uh, later, but th- this game did not start off so great. This defense is is a mess. Yeah, um, I'll admit, I mean, it's going to be that time of year I watched the game at a family Christmas party. So I was sort of going in and out of the room, but Washington looked competent. I'll say Washington looked competent and it didn't look just like the defense was giving them everything. 
but the defense certainly gave them a lot. So it's that was unsettling. Yeah, uh, I was. There was a lot of going on at my house. Also, uh, there was cookie baking going on upstairs. I was uh, writing some performance reviews in the basement while I had the game on. And speaking of which, um, because it is that time of year where you will be getting your annual performance review at work we may get a couple visits from uh philly sports hr rep looking for performance reviews for some of our players and and coaches as long as they're only looking for performance reviews and not looking to uh, you know discuss some of the things we said on the last show uh, i welcome hr's presence yes they're always welcome to come and and have a chat with us uh but yeah so back to the game um the defense i just feel like man i they, they can't get the, i just don't understand how this is the same defense that really shut down the patriots and the and the seahawks well to some degree and the well, bears and the bills one of the things that that the teams that they can't shut down have in common is they've got usually one receiver that is far better than any of our guys that can cover uh, unfortunately, the guy in, in D.C. is a rookie, and we're going to deal with him for a long time. But um, on the other hand, like Seattle and New England don't necessarily have that guy that you have to key on that's going to cause havoc, basically. They don't have a Julio Jones. They don't have a uh, Devontae Adams, who thankfully he got hurt before Green Bay was able to you know, take advantage of, of that at late in the game. So I think that that's certainly something that we struggle with. We, we don't have anybody on our secondary that can, that can just go out and lock down your, your, your number one receiver. So therefore we're always trying to, to handle these sorts of situations in platoons. The thing that really frustrated me today with our defense was our inability to stop their run early. It just looked like Adrian, Adrian, Adrian Peterson was going to have like a a 250-yard day on the ground at points. It just looked like we had absolutely no ability to stop. They could do whatever they wanted to on the ground. And, um, you know, Washington's quarterback is not a bad player and seemed to be making a lot of the right decisions. He just doesn't have much to work with. Uh, But I will be very happy when Adrian Peterson finally goes off into the sunset. I am tired of watching that guy uh, year in, year out. and and usually our strength on defense is stopping the run. It, it just did not seem like a strength today. And I think back to, was the last time we played Washington the first game of the year? Yes. And just sitting there and going, you know, Adrian Peterson was like a healthy scratch, right? Yeah, he was Correct. benched. He was benched. Yeah. They went with and, Dice and Thompson in game one. And I just kept thinking today, it's like, Oh man, why couldn't it be a healthy scratch today? Because the whole first game, we're like, man, if they had Adrian Peterson in, like that would really be hurting us well, today. Exactly, because they could have stepped on our throat. They had a fourteen point lead, seventeen point lead in that game. Oh, I can't recall at this point, but yeah, but they they could have. And this game, he was just such a productive threat on the ground. You know, just like we always want to have that. Uh, you know, that running threat to keep teams honest, he wore us down, got big yards when, well, got enough yards when they needed it. And I was like, man, I 
just don't want the reason we lose to be because of Adrian Peterson. And I will never let it go. Adrian Peterson is one of my top 10 hated players in the NFL. I just can't, I just can't let it. I mean, the dude, you know, beats his kids with a switch. Yeah. I just can't forget about that. Like, can we, how, what, why do we just stop talking about that? Well, and, and was there ever any discipline that came out of that? Did it, did he miss a lot of time for that? Was it a temporary suspension? I feel like it was two games. I, I mean, I, I don't know what it was, but I know it was nothing. I feel like he missed, he missed more games due to contract issues than he did to discipline. Yeah. And, you know, I, it hits him with me too, Dave. And then I think we have kids and we know what a, a two-year-old is capable of. I think that's how old his kid was when he made him go get a switch and beat him. Like, yeah, you know, my, my daughter is almost two and a half and I can rely on her about 5% of the time. I can go, Hey honey, put this book, you know, you know, away on the shelf and she will take it over and put it away on the shelf. Other times she'll take it and put it in the dishwasher. But you know, it's not like she's being bad. It's you know, it's just being a toddler. You know, yeah, and I think the one kid pushed the other kid off of like a motorcycle video game at an arcade or something that caused the whole incident. But Jesus, I don't know. Whatever. It's, it's I. I just always remember it. I, I just I can't forget about this story. Like a grown man, like an NFL football. Like if that dude beat me with a switch, I wouldn't be able to handle it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to handle it, but I am a wimp. Um, but no, it's it it's barbaric. It's cruel. It I don't care. It's like, oh, this is how I was raised just in, you know, it was wrong back then. It's wrong now. And there's just so many examples that you, you don't torture a child. But I just feel like like it, it, you would think that other players in the NFL would want to knock this dude's block off. You'd hope like any chance they get. I don't know for, to me, I think that would add extra motivation, but maybe people don't remember it or forget about it or whatever. Yeah. The NFL is pretty good about forgetting. Uh, I mean, it might be the traumatic head issues, but the <laughs> NFL, you know, they'll, they'll sweep bullshit under the rug pretty quickly. That's all of professional sports, but the NFL, man, sure, mwah, they've they've really mastered it. So the Eagles dig themselves into another predicament. Um, and what was the score at halftime of this game? It was uh, was it like fourteen ten? It's fourteen ten at the half, and you feel like you know you should be you should be winning this game, um, but then it turns into an absolute shootout in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Eagles score 20 points in the fourth quarter, uh, which has got to be a, a season a season high for points scored in a quarter in, in any game. Um, and Carson has a has a last uh, you know, a game-ending drive to put them ahead with a touchdown. It was awesome. Two games in a row. So I I guess I have two questions similar in nature. Um we think we have problems closing, right? Um, how bad really and truly are the Giants and the Redskins that they have – in as much as we have problems offensively and defensively, like these teams 
just are so good at crapping away any sort of <laughs> momentum. Um, it's almost like laughable how pathetic the, these two organizations are at the moment. Um, but like, oh God, it's it's the, the second point, second thing is um, how how close did the Eagles want to come to just coughing this thing up? Was was there a point that either of you during that <laughs> third quarter? I guess after the third possible fumble that we had on offense, where you're like, for God's sake, do we have zero interest in actually winning this game? I gotta say, that fumble, and I don't know if it was the third or the fourth of the game, but, you know, talking about being at a Christmas party, the that went around the room. You know, there was a contingent of people watching the game, there were other people at like a kitchen table, some at like a an island bar sort of thing there. And it was like fumble. And it was again. And that just like echoed around. I was like, oh, and that really did feel like we're, we're trying to give this game away. And, you know, I think the, the point you bring up, Gene, of, you know, how bad are these teams that they can't close it out? I. They're what they were two and nine, you know, their records were two and nine heading into this stretch. You know, this, you know, the Eagles need to win out to to clinch their playoff spot. They're two and nine. And I think that's the difference between a team that could possibly finish with a winning record or a 500 record and one that has no chance is that they just don't have enough talent or they don't there's something missing to to you know that prevents them from from closing out the games there are two there are two reasons why we won this game today like it came it really came down to two plays it was the is the sanders run um and, and it was the goddard catch and if those two yeah. things don't happen we lost the game well and the, the interesting thing about that sanders run is that's a third down draw play and um i was listening to doug's uh press conference after the game and one of the reporters said to doug the, the, the first part of this is funny they said to doug doug what were you thinking on that play and doug like completely deadpan goes get the first down um <laughs> so bullshit so uh but he said that basically the way that call that play call went in was they had a check down to a run or they had a check out to a run whatever the terminology is well they could they could have audible they could have audible to a, a pass i mean they could have audible sure. out of that run to a pass and um basically the redskins gave them exactly the look that they were expecting so right. well, that was one of those things where there. where doug probably had that if i've got a situation where i can use this draw play uh they've put out this particular look it seems like it was, that was something that they had worked on, which is why, to a certain degree, I feel like it, it blew up the way that it did. It was like it was like the light bulb goes off and Doug's like, ah, we got him. And, you know, sometimes it works out. And especially when you've got bad teams that probably leave you these sorts of opportunities on tape. So it was nice. That's what, you know, that was one of those rare moments where in Doug's press conference, you kind of got a, a little glimpse into uh, into the process. So I thought that was kind of a cool thing about that play. You know, whenever I think of a third and long uh, draw play. It, I, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's sort of a lost art form in the NFL because we certainly don't run it all that often. But I, I think of uh, '90s Eagles uh, against the Giants, and I feel like the Giants would always do a draw play to Dave Meggett. Yeah, they love <laughs> that play and, and, and like use our aggressiveness against us 
and you know we'd we'd rush past the line and uh and he would just be off to the off to the races like damn it gets us every time gets us every time. <laughs> yeah and i feel like that that doug must have just seen like there was a particular blitz look that they were going to be able to to load up on that i guess it was the left side of the line and and he was going to be able to spring it and my one of sometimes my problem with miles sanders is sometimes when there is the hole if he would just go through it and get that two or three yards instead of trying to break off the big play when he gets his shady feet uh and there was a couple times during the during the game today it's like man i would much rather have that that two yard gain if you just fell forward rather than that three yard loss you know tap dancing cost he's not he's not as bad though as like shady oh oh, no shady was the absolute worst at it and he's a squirter i mean he 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 squirts right he can you know just find that little that little seam between defenders where he's definitely going to get tackled but he somehow gets like an extra two because he just he's like goes liquid or something and just (laughs) (laughs) like the t-1000 he goes all like a T one thousand. Yes, yes, yeah. Suddenly yeah, he comes up the other side and he's a white dude cop. <laughs> he's like the um, like the the cucumber thing, like you know the um, the little like water cucumber toy. Oh yeah, yeah. Like yeah. when you squeeze it, it just goes like bloop. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the 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 thing the Eagles have going for them right now is that Boston Scott is much more that downhill fall forward. Like I know yeah. where I'm. I know what gap I'm supposed to run through, and I'm going to try to get even if it's yeah. six inches. That's that's what I'm going to get. So I, you know, I, Boston Scott also seems to have a much better nose as a receiver, which is uh, why he was uh, much more active in those third down receiver packages and got as many catches as he did. So it was nice to see them use what they saw from last week's game and and still use his uh, skill set to their advantage today. And then the, the 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 last play of the game, where we're up by what, what were we up by? What was the score? We were um, it we're was thirty-one to twenty-seven. We're up four, yeah. We we're up four. Yeah, we're up four. And then the, the the last play of the game, the 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 Redskins are trying to drive to eventually take a shot at a hail mary, uh, and the Eagles return a fumble for a touchdown to get the eight point cover. That was yeah. one of those situations. With no where, time left on the clock. Where I feel like the Redskins are just under this assumption by the way that they set, send out the you know put up their their linemen is we're going to get a three down rushers and every, they're going to pull everybody back. Yeah. And the Eagles decided to rush five um, because I certainly didn't expect Malcolm Jenkins to be going at the quarterback on that play, honestly. Um, so I think certainly the uh, the Redskins offensive line didn't expect him to, to be running at them either. So who scooped that up and scored it? Do we... uh, it was the linebacker. Um... So do, you, do you think that they knew what the spread was? <laughs> because it, you could have just fallen on that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it was that that they just wanted to be like to rub salt in the wound or uh, or what it was. But yeah, you know, a lot well, of they don't situ- get a lot of opportunities to score. Touchdowns yeah, that's the thing is, I feel like he just he just had it and he he's just I'm yeah. just gonna rumble. You're probably right, uh, and especially the defense in general this year has not had a lot of chances to score touchdowns. So I feel like they they wanted to to grab one, and I feel like in a division game, like you want to put the nail in the coffin. So a good win. Um, you can't it's a, it's not a win that you get like so fired up about because you know you have you have bigger aspirations than beating a 2 and 9 Redskins team um but it's you know step 2 of the like four part three part plan so do the if the Eagles beat the Cowboys is it over no not now it would have been had if the they Ram- lost had the Rams won today it would have been okay 
All right, so the Eagles will this have to a, win all four. This is now a four-step plan, okay. and we're, we're going to have right. to beat beat the Giants no matter what. Okay. All right. Well, and uh, we're going to have to start, you know, start rooting for the for the Redskins. You know, that week after suddenly we're we're going to have strange bedfellows again. Yeah. So there's no scenario now where losing next week is a, is acceptable. No, no losing no. next year ne- next year losing next week is is. It's now absolutely. So, what a do we think game. about this game? Are we back to being scared of the Cowboys? A little, I, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, to, uh, I, I I gotta be honest. I really have a hard time seeing us winning this game. Yeah. It's we struggled to win against two bad teams, and I I do think the the Redskins and the Giants played us well. It wasn't like. It wasn't like we, sure. you know, rolled over and you know yeah. let bad teams nearly beat us. I do think they played us well, but they're not good teams. Here's what I hope: I hope they played us well because our coaching staff really has been working on what are we doing against the Cowboys, and they've been doing that for the last <laughs> three weeks. Uh, God, I hope so. But they, the Cowboys win today over the Rams. I, That's that was a little scary. Yeah. Well, I mean, fortunately, it's in Philly. It is. Uh, and I want to see, I want to see all the stops pulled. Mm-hmm. Like it's got to be, you know, the Philly special suplex. <laughs> uh, I, oh, by the way, did you see the uh, Philly special in the Army Navy game? No, did they? Did they? Did they use it like for a touchdown? Yeah, yeah, it's for a touchdown. Nice, nice. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. Like right now, I feel I'm feeling Cowboys. That could change. So what uh, what about the Cowboys now has you know what do you feel that they do we can't we can't stop or what about what what you saw against the Rams today it's or not really so much the Rams it's just um just the track record that we've had against the Cowboys and uh I just feel like they're a dangerous team they they really are if they if they put together you know coach if they overcome Garrett they they can win. I mean, they can be good. And they're consistent team. You know, we've seen some great um, fourth quarter efforts by Wentz the last two weeks. And if he comes out and we see that that playmaking and these you know these conversions of third downs and and really making things happen early in the game next week. Well then, yeah, man, go Eagles. I think we'll we'll take it. But the Cowboys say what you will against about them. When we've played against them, they've just put points up. You know, they they hold the ball for a little bit, get a field goal. You know, we go three three and out. They hold the ball for a little bit, get a touchdown. Then all of a sudden, we're down thirteen nothing, and we can't we can't dig ourselves out of the hole. So. I don't think they're a great team by any stretch of the imagination, but they're a competent one. Well, think back to how the last game started. It was about as bad a start for an Eagles team in Dallas as you can possibly have. I think before we had run our third offensive play, they were up 14-0 because of two horrible turnovers um, by the offense. Um, I got to say, I don't see that sort of catastrophe happening again. Um, what I would really hope is 
and this is uh, maybe this is the optimist in me. And this is really this has been and I've been saying this now for weeks. This has been what my whole season has been leading up to. Uh, I to a certain point, I had to just kind of accept that this team is not going to win the Super Bowl this year. Uh, and I had to manage my expectations to what to me would define some sort of success at this point. Because when the year started, I was absolutely, uh, what do we need to do to get home field advantage in the NFC? Because we're the best team and we, you know, what AFC team do I need to be nervous about? Um, so that that's all been recalibrated. And right now, um, everything is set up in such a way that the best possible case for me, hating the Cowboys as much as I do, is we have the opportunity to completely cause a full-on implosion of that organization. If we can come out and know, if, if, if you have, a, if you're a general and you know that you have the capability of ending your, you know, taking your, your opponent's army off the field by coming out and winning one big battle, um, I don't know how you can't get your yourself up for this. And it's another thing that they, they asked Doug a lot in the press conference was, you know, Doug, are you excited about not having to, to do as much motivation for the week this week in preparation? Because obviously your players know what this is all about. And he kind of agreed. Like, he's like, yeah, no, my guys have known for weeks that this is what it's all leading up to. So if if there is anything on this team that call it uh, gut, call it uh, – anything coming out in front of your home fans who have traveled in several cases to Miami, to Washington, to other places that we played this year and shown up in droves to root you on. If there was ever a time to well, come out a lather on Sunday, come out at 425 America's game of the week, which should actually just say the Dallas Cowboy game of the week. Um, <laughs> like you have got to come out. Exactly. You've got to, the fans will be in a lather. The Eagles, I think that Brian Dawkins should just come out in full Weapon X mode to lead the team on the field. I Like, I, I just can't think of anything that would embody the kind of energy that they are going to need to come out with. And I'm actually really excited for the fact that the, the Wentz has had to, to go through these last two games so that maybe when, if, if it comes down to something close, I want him to now be like, yeah, man. I've done this. I've done this two weeks in a row. We know how this works. I've looked the best when we needed me. I, I just want this, you know, even against two dog shit teams, that if it just has that mental springboard that he can visualize, I can just hit Zach Ertz because everybody is so stupid. They never bother to cover him when we're down inside the five. So I just need to do that. And oh, we have players now that seem to have skill sets that he trusts throwing the ball to. He likes throwing the ball uh, to Greg. He likes throwing the ball to Boston. He likes throwing the ball to both the, the tight ends. I don't think he liked throwing the ball to Aguilar. And I, Jeffrey, I don't think, like <laughs> catching the ball from him. So I am so ready. And, and maybe, like, this is just strictly a heart thing. But I got nothing else, man. Like, this, this is my Super Bowl. <laughs> like... February, the first week in Sunday in February, I know I'm going to be watching the Ravens pound somebody else. Like that's like I know that that's how it's going to happen. I'm hoping it's the Ravens beating up on um some uh, maybe New Orleans. Maybe that would be a good matchup. But 
this is it, man. Like, what happens next week, everything else, it doesn't matter. I, if, even if they lose to the Giants and don't make the playoffs, like, if we can say we had – we kicked the shit out of the, the, the Cowboys in Philadelphia this year, I'm good, man. Like, I am – like, my fandom is intact. I will be back with, with, with full – passion next year like that this is the thing you got to do for me man you Gee, gotta I, i'm putting you in the the cowboy hater hall of fame <laughs> you're gonna get a bust you're gonna get a plaque at the mayfair diner it is a kelly green jacket like <laughs> with big f- silver wings on the back a puffy starter jacket yeah exactly all right well uh-oh H. <laughs> HR's here. We're gonna oh, do shit, performance reviews. What's that, Chuck? Is it shit? Hide the weed. <laughs> we need performance reviews for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, so first up on the docket is Doug Peterson. Uh, what, what do you believe Doug's goals were for the 2019 calendar year here? And, and has he met those goals? I, I would say one goal would to be to find a nice balance between uh, gunslinger, slinger Doug, and sensible play calling. Um, I feel like he hasn't quite met that goal. Uh, I think you know some some good steps were taken, but I, I would Is say that's sort had- of the. I mean, do you feel like run pass balance falls into that category? Certainly, certainly, and that's uh, the run pass balance, the making well timed decisions for the fourth and dugs, yeah, you know, for the for the real gambling, and he he did not get a balance there. So sure, I would say goal was not met for that one. I think another goal Doug probably had uh, this year was. I mean, I wouldn't even set it as low as winning the division. Um, I, I would say that he probably had a goal of a conference title game. Um, but I have to offset that with some of the injuries. Yeah, I do have to to curtail that a little bit. So maybe winning the division is a new good goal for him this year. So do you think we have to put him at incomplete now because we you know he still has you know some some time to meet said goal? I don't know. Does winning a division with a 500 record is it still quite as impactful as just straight up winning the division? I don't know. Maybe we just give him a meeting expectations for this. I mean, cuz right now we'd have to win at, with with eight, at 8 and 8, right? That that's the only Yeah, way but to win. Uh, but uh, but you go back and there's really not a lot of excuses for that falcons game for that uh for that uh lions game and for that dolphins game for that matter yeah yeah and and we can win the division at nine and seven yeah oh well that's what we'll have to do basically yeah um unless we both lose in week 17 right right yeah, if we beat the Cowboys, I don't know what the tiebreakers look like. We have a so. lot of tiebreakers of them. We have a lot of common opponents that we did win, and and the Cowboys didn't. Well, that was an interesting statistic because at the time, during the Eagles game, the Eagles were the only team in the NFC East to have wins over opponents with winning records. Right. Yeah, this is the first one the Cowboys have gotten. Because they did, when they beat us, we did not have a winning record. Right. I think the uh, the goal that I would put 
for for Doug was uh, to kind of reestablish uh, the locker room culture to a certain degree. I feel like at the end of last year, uh, culture might have been at its all-time peak because uh, they had made that run against with, with Nick Foles again. But then as you step into training camp and get into the season, you're now, you know, Foles is in Jacksonville, lots of new players. I, you know, early in the season, we had things like, the you know, the anonymous – uh, yeah, the anonymous, anonymous source. player, the anonymous source. We had uh, that crumb bum cornerback who's actually a Dallas Cowboy. Um, you know, I feel like there were some some periods in, in like mid October where, under the Doug regime, culture was maybe at its all time low. But strangely enough, after that Dolphins game, I think that there was a I don't know what Doug said or if it was something that came internally from the team. To a certain degree, I feel like there has been a re uh, a reformation of of that that attitude that has kind of defined the Doug Peterson uh, regime. Now, I'm not a huge fan of having to put yourself so deep in a hole that the only way you can motivate yourself is to be like everybody thinks we're <laughs> shit. Um, I would really like to watch them front run for a year, but um, hey, uh, at least we can say that when we get to rock bottom, we do have a coach that has some capability of organizing the group, uh, reestablishing a, a, a kind of a baseline and getting some sort of productivity out of, I mean, we got to be honest, like th- these are guys now that are producing for this team that were on the practice squad that nobody was expecting to contribute on this roster. And not only are they contributing, they're winning games for us. So in that sense, I yeah, think- Yeah, but should he have evaluated that talent weeks ago? I mean, he's only playing them now because everybody else is hurt. Well, was there a certain amount of I have these uh, these guys that are not that are trying no. to play? Matt through- Matt Collins should have been cut or at least stopped being played eight weeks ago. Yeah, no, there there's no excuse for Matt Collins. That guy. And, and, and the fans have been calling for Greg Ward. I for two years now, I guess. Yeah. Basically, yeah. I mean, but when you, when it gets down to these injuries. Um, we should so have never I, been in a position where we didn't have enough or wide receivers to finish a game last week. Okay. That's okay. For sure. okay. So, so what's the assessment on Doug? Uh, I, I would say overall, Doug has failed to meet expectations. That's, that's mine. I mean, not, not severely. This is not, we're not putting in a performance improvement plan just yet, but I'd say, okay. I, I would say that he did not. He did not meet his goals. I think he failed to meet expectations. That's my opinion. It's it's hard not to totally agree, but I, I think with some extenuating circumstances, he would be at, uh, you know, he sustained his 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 position at this point. But I think Chuck makes an inter- a good point that like there there needs to be you know a reckoning here. Maybe not a, a call to. To, to improve but like you know you're you, you know you, you you didn't you're not our you're not our our ace in the hole now you're not our you're not our, you're not our, our poster boy at the moment he's not a high potential employee at the at this time yeah you know you're not going to get your name on like that okay. plaque I, I agree he's either a uh like a low meeting expectations or somewhere like a high below expectation somewhere in that range. Uh, but I, to me, I think it's part of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like he's in this position because of a lot of his own actions. So I, mm-hmm. I have a hard time being like so sympathetic towards Doug. So I agree with the below expectations for Doug. All right, let's move on to Carson real quick. 
Uh, what are you guys doing with Carson here? Because I think one of his goals this year has to be uh, hold on to the GD football below expectations. Way below. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that would have been a goal set before the season. Well, it's certainly a 2020 goal. Oh, it is. It is the 2020 goal. <laughs> Bullet point number one. You know, meet with some people from other departments, learn how to hold on to a football. Yeah, that is well below expectations. Um, One goal I'd say is managing his health. Um, And that one, I I think he has met. I think he has met that expectation. I'd be, I'd say exceeds. I would have put like a a minor injury where he missed a couple of games as it meets expectations. Yeah. And he's managed to not start every game so far. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Then, then I, I, I'll agree with the exceeds, but I think that was that. I think we even said on the show, that's the number one question entering the season. And you might've put that under like personal goals. Yeah. That's personal, personal, not business related. (laughs) I think one of his goals was probably to um, to learn how to, to have some comebacks to to learn how to bring a team from behind uh, in the fourth quarter. And uh, you know, I think for most of the season we would have said he was below expectations, but you know, maybe the last two weeks kind of creeps him into making uh, you know into meeting expectation territory. I think uh, I think he might have had a stretch goal this year to go thirty touchdowns and ten interceptions. Is he anywhere near that? I don't know what his stats are at the moment. He he's 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 close. He's at twenty five and seven right now, so he could still meet that goal with uh you know with two games left to play. So I would give him meeting expectations for that goal. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if if you want to look at the overall, I think I think I'd put him at met expectations, but there's going to be a lot of comments in there. There's going to be. Okay. You know, you have met expectations, but next year we're going to have to set some more aggressive you're gonna goals. Give a, you're going to grade him on a curve a little bit because of all the weapons that he's lost? Yeah, all the weapons that he's lost that, okay. you know, all the time he lost to injury before sure. this season. You know, in, and he's got a below expectations coach, just, just, you know. Yeah, below expectations coach. I think he's done enough to maintain my confidence in him. Like to go, yes, he is a franchise quarterback. He's our quarterback. We'll be sure. fine with him. Um, but it, it's been a rocky year. I would say, though, he has met expectations. There's a lot of comments. You know, our you know start of the year meeting is going to be pretty damn long. There's going to be a lot of really specific goals. But I'd say he met expectations for me. I give him I give him an exceeds. I I, I think really? uh, yeah, I think he's I mean when 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 you look back at the full body of work, he drives you nuts week to week sometimes. Uh uh but yeah, I I feel like looking back at the full body of work with the injuries, uh with some of the poor decisions from Doug, uh, I don't know. I think he's I think he's battled through. Um you know, I think you know sometimes we got to adjust adjust our expectations from the start of the season to now and uh I get it, and, and these last two weeks, so maybe it's some recency bias. You know, sometimes, hey, you, you perform really well in uh, September and October. Okay. 
exceeds from me. Gene? Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree, and I did certainly think that there's a bit of a recency bias here, but I think because of his position, you can you can kind of take that into account because really this is crunch time. This is this is the point where I'm hoping, uh, and next week is going to be a, go a long way towards this, I am hoping that what we are seeing is this is a a a – the maturing process of a franchise quarterback that we are actually seeing in a kind of trial by fire way. We're actually going to see kind of like the, the origin story of, of what the rest of this guy's career is going to be. So I think that if there is going to be a, a real signature game for this season uh, and for this quarterback and, and for the coach, for everybody, next week is going to be this is that's what's going to define what all of this has been, all of this adversity. And I'm hoping that they talk, take all of the lessons that they've learned through all this whole process and that they apply what they've learned next week. And so I'm going to I'm going to lean towards exceeds expectations, optimistically hoping that they're going to come out on top next week. All right, Chuck, uh, take us through just um just a horrible, horrible week for the Flyers, just in all, in all aspects. Yeah, man, it really, really was. Um, let's start with the yeah. worst part of it. Yeah. Um, you know, I I had listened back to last show, and I said, oh, if you have a moment, spare some prayers for uh, Tyler Konechny, you know, tongue-in-cheek. Tongue- Travis. Travis. Uh, Travis Konechny, thank you. Um tongue firmly removed from cheek yeah. if you have time you know send a prayer oscar Lindblom's way he's been diagnosed with uh ewing sarcoma a uh, form of cancer a uh, sort of bone cancer and he's gone for the rest of the season um right now i mean his number one goal is you know to to beat the cancer you know to to you know return to a productive life and we'll talk about hockey later so that is a huge blow to the flyers that is a huge blow yeah and this isn't just like some sort of uh minor <laughs> not, yeah, not that no. any cancer is minor but uh this from what i've read this is primarily a a, a pediatric uh type of cancer that there's really not a ton of information um, about you know survival rates and things like that in adults there there's some from from what i've read and it's you know pediatric to young adult and he's he's a young adult he's he is just a a kid out there really um i do know i believe three man yeah 23 i think survival rate um if it hasn't metastasized out of i don't know out of near the bones or in the bones i i don't really know is about 70 percent now him being an athlete that's probably bumps it up some, um, you know, with his overall fitness and health, if it has metastasized elsewhere, those, those survival rates are, uh, really low. Um, mm-hmm. I think like 15, 20%. So this is, this is much bigger than hockey and he, he's got a battle in front of him. We're all thinking of him. With that said, it it definitely hurts the Flyers. He was tied for the scoring lead, or or close to that. Him and uh, TK sort of volleyed back and forth on that, and 
we we've lost him for at least the year. Um, and you know, Konechny out with a concussion. Uh, Nolan Patrick, we forget about him out with the migraine, you know, disorder. Uh, I mean, we, we ch- talk about him every week. Yeah, <laughs> but but <laughs> but um, you know, it's not to be ignored that he's out, and uh, we've lost Scott Lawton. We've lost Tyler Pitlick. We've lost um, Michael Roffel. These are key contributors to literally every line of the Flyers. And, you know, TK and Lindblom have, have been the straw that stirs the drink this year. It's, it was fulfilling the plan that the young guys step up and the, the older guys, you know, play a more complementary role. Well, hey, older guys, the ball's in your court, man. And and who knows when TK is going to be back? Who knows about Lawton, Pitlick, and Raffles coming back? I think in a week or two. But it's 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 bad news all around there. And it was a bad week. Three games, three losses. Um, and none of them were really competitive. No, I I would say. I, I left the Avalanche game feeling okay. The Avalanche is a very fast team, and we skated with them. You know, they were much better at converting, uh, playing at that speed than we were. We were not um, great at capitalizing on. I mean, my really only takeaway from the week was Carter Hart had a great save in that game. Yeah. <laughs> and Carter Hart played well. He got hung out to dry quite often. Yeah, <laughs> today's game, Joel Farabee, man, what the hell are you doing? He had two fights recently, and then a, a dirty hit. He's probably well. Let's talk about that. Yeah, what he, happened there? Because I was on Sixers duty, so it was a late hit. Um, I, I referred to it earlier today on Twitter as a crime of opportunity, and I I forget the name of the uh, Jets player had passed the puck away, and. It was well after that pass, Lawton just, not Lawton, uh, Farabee just laid him out. And uh, it was slightly blindside. I think the Jets player had turned around to see it when it was too late. Uh, it was kind of high. Puck was away. Um, the dude is probably concussed. Uh, Farabee got a five-minute okay, major. Yeah, I just and, watched it. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. bad. So yeah. do, do you think that's a result of frustration? Like, is that what's building up in this team right now? Uh, I I don't know what it is. Um, I bet you there's frustration. Um, is he a dirty player? Is he going to be a dirty player? I mean, he's had, like, I, what, two fights this week and a late hit? Like, Yeah, and he's not that kind of player, and it's hard to tell coming from the college ranks. There's no fighting. stung by the Farabee. <laughs> it's, it's like you can change the pronunciation of your last name. You don't have to, like, go for this, like, ah, the bee gotcha. <laughs> stung by the bee. But... Uh, he in college, you don't fight. They have full face masks. Like fighting gets you thrown from the game. He hasn't been a fighter. He has no history with it until these two fights and this late hit. I think I I don't know. It's somewhere he has fancied himself this player that plays on the edge, and 
I'm like, dude, that's not your game. I don't know why he's doing it. Maybe, you know, and, and not to play pop psychologist, but I bet you the, the Lindbaum news is hitting this team hard. You know, they they got imagine. they got the news right before the Colorado game. And they're away from home. They're away from their families. And it's a young team, too. You know, it, you know, you have some veterans with Giroux, Voracek, uh, Hayes. You know, you have a, a good veteran core, but there's a lot of really young players. And the majority of this team, I'd say, is under 25. Well, it seems like he... You know, we have a, a, it's a very respected player too that this is kind of this news has come down on. I even saw some stuff from yeah. from Penguins fans that are like, you know, look, we we hate each other, but one thing we agree on is the, you know, fuck cancer. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it, it's 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 kind of in some ways it's nice to see kind of a like a bigger than you know the rivalry kind of like you know. Whatever the same same group of scumbags that basically like shit all over like Ed Snyder moments of silence and stuff like that. Yeah. Like I really give a fuck what Penguins fans think or say. I I, I guess more... why don't you just shut up, Penguins fans? <laughs> How about that? That'd be the best way you could do is just shut the hell up. That that would be th- just in general. Shut up, Penguins. Just don't even but, talk but, about it. But just leave James. Us Gene's points vow that it has come from across the league. Well, I like, heard something like potentially even making him a captain for the all-star team. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, that'd be kind of cool. That would be kind of cool. And the outpouring here has been uh, across the league. I think it was uh, Klingberg in Dallas got the news and he, he was like scratched from the game. Cause he's a really close Swedish friend of Lindbaum's just couldn't, you know, needed a day. Um, Hockey Night in Canada's like Punjabi broadcast, you know, did a tribute to Oscar Lindblom, you know, and, you know, the subtitle said, You were a fifth round pick who made it to the NHL. You can do anything. So, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a big thing. And I do imagine this team is reeling and it probably hurts to be far away from home. All that being said, Faraby, I, I somebody needs to talk with him. He has not been making the greatest decisions. Even that second fight the other day, I think that was just uh, last night against the Wild. Dude, why are you doing that? You're, it's not your game. It's not your game. We got Chris Stewart for a reason. I'm like, don't put yourself in that situation. It's like you actively seeking to do something you suck at. Yeah, and. And we're down forwards. All that that litany of players who are out, they're all forwards. It's just man. amazing how fast like you go from you know being on top of the world to just now it's like we're, we're like in despair. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I, I trust this team to be able to tread water for My a while. in April, shot down in May. Yeah. <laughs> I, I trust the team to be able to tread water for a little bit, but we had Kasha in there. Um, it's spelled like Case, but it's like Kasha. Is. is there a dollar sign in that name? Yeah, uh, yes, there is. Okay, um, great. And she does have a pretty awesome <laughs> song. Um, Terwensky, uh, Albe Kubel. We have. 
we just have a whole bunch of phantoms up on this team. Hell, even Farabee and Frost weren't technically supposed to be here this soon. Well, that's the thing is I, I imagine if things had shaken out another way with what Farabee's been up to the last couple, this is the kind of thing that, you know, you get called into the office and be like, maybe you need a, a couple of days in Lehigh Valley to kind of get your head straight. And, you know, maybe that would have been good for him, but we can't afford to give him that time right now. And I wonder if that's, you know, kind of a, something that we're at a disadvantage at the moment, uh, that our forward depth is being really stressed. Oh, it is. I mean, there, there's no two ways about it. We we are hurting. Um, now, thankfully, we have Anaheim coming up, and they're pretty awful. So th- that can be a, a nice win. Uh, Ottawa uh, later the week. I forget who we have in between. So there's some bad teams here to get a few in the wind Sabres. column sabers and eh, sabers have been uh, pretty decent this year so but we play well at home we do nope. so you know if we can just tread water um just win these three man, games duck yeah. sabers senators you could do it yeah win i think they can offset what just happened on the road like a like we, I mean, we talked about it last week. One one and one was going to be an accomplishment. It was a really tough road trip. It had a back to back that covered a lot of miles. Mm-hmm. And I'm just really like I'm not that stressed about this road trip. I'm really not. Uh, I'm, I'm not either. The, the contextual stuff that that's going on. If they just straight up lost these three games, I'd be like, whatever, it's fine. I'm just more concerned about all of this like other these other things that are happening. Yeah, me too. D- perfectly honest with you. Me too. I- you know, it, now the question of how long is, you know, Konechny going to be out is a big question. Sure. It's a huge, I mean, it wasn't a small question before, but well, we got to rush him back. Yeah, we do. That's the thing. We just got to rush him back. Yeah. Take some aspirin, dude. You know, <laughs> tell them you see the appropriate amount. Of it. We're obviously kidding. Um, but it, it's him being out. It, there's just too many. There's like too many burdens to bear with our our forwards that just hope to get healthy and fucking Drew step up for once your goddamn (laughs) career. Oh, annual review time. Okay, (laughs) who's who's first on the docket? Elaine Vino, new employee, new hire, new hire Uh, for 2019. Yeah, so I feel like this is like his 90 day review, right? (laughs) No. <laughs> so we can terminate him without having to ex- like extend COVID well, he's, he's he's uh, that's the thing is he's probably really psyched he's about to get his health benefits yeah <laughs> introductory period all right um I, I would say uh one of his main goals was to be in a playoff spot at american thanksgiving you know that is um you know, a very clear benchmark of how's the team doing. The Flyers were most definitely in a playoff spot at that time. I think we were third or second in the division. Um, still in a playoff spot now. So I'd say that's uh, definitely met, potentially exceeded expectations there. I think, I think I would say exceeds. Yeah, I think it, one of the goals was probably manage the goaltending situation effectively. And I think that he's way ahead of, uh, a schedule on that one. I feel like that has been one of the the strengths of the team has been goaltending. Uh, yeah, and I, I'd extend that to manage personnel 
and there I'd say that's a strong exceeds. Yeah, I mean, you're basically succeeding. You know, the guy, the last guy that had this job um, didn't do a great job. No, and the more that comes out, like the comments of, yeah, I'm being benched, but so nice to hear why. Like, <laughs> oh, my Lord. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, the, that's management 101 right there. Yeah, it really is. And the 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 outlook on this team, the, the attitude, the everything um, has been so positive with him in there. I'd say, you know, managing uh, personalities, managing players uh, definitely exceeds expectations there. And if we want to go to an overall review, uh, I would say he barely ekes into exceed expectations just because I think the areas he does exceed are a little bit of the intangibles. It's how well he's meeting these bench points, uh, these benchmarks, and the way he's doing so puts him in the exceeds expectations for me. Yeah, I, I agree. I I think it's a solid exceeds. You're such a harsh grader there, Chuck. <laughs> well, and especially I feel like he's doing such a better job than uh, what we saw previously. Just from the jump, you know, it's 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 refreshing, honestly. I'm from the grading standpoint of meets expectations is a solid win. That is like, congratulations. Oh, you have okay. met. So no one, no one is outstanding. Oh, I, I'm trying to think of an example of someone who would be outstanding, but no one we've talked about today has even been close to outstanding. Got you. Got you. Yeah. I mean, like in 2017, like Nick Foles would have gotten an outstanding. Yes. Yes, he would. There we go. That, I that. don't know, man. There were those that Raiders game was pretty rough. No, 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 no. Hey, with okay. with the expectations that were set, Nick Foles would have gotten <laughs> for a backup. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Okay, who who else? Who else, Chuck? Who's next? Um. Well, you you had mentioned him as um a, a bit of a joke, but let's say Claude Giroux, just because as sort of the standard bearer for the franchise. Tough one. It's gonna be tough. Um. Uh, I'm not certain it's a tough one for me. I'm not certain what his specific goals would be. Um, let, let's put one in the works well in a new environment. You know, he has been called upon to do a lot of different things this season. Give mentoring and mentoring is one of his. Uh... Um, he Well, it certainly should be because he has been. Uh, a lot of young players have mentioned Claude Giroux. Like, we want you to shadow with Claude for the day. Yeah, <laughs> um, we'll tell you everything you need to know where the bathroom is. Coffee, coffee pot, like you know, he'll help you, you with look, the... when you take the last couple. You have to, you have to make a new pot, right? And he'll help you uh, get logged into your computer, right? All this, all the yeah. stuff you need to know. So he's certainly done a good job with the <laughs> the mentoring. I think he has uh, done a, a great job with the versatility of going from center to winger and back and back again and continuing to take face-offs from the wing. Um, he's worked well with Travis Konechny. He has worked really well with Morgan Frost, again, in a mentorship kind of role. So I'd say in the expectation front of his adaptability, um, I'd say he certainly met expectations. Um, I have very high expectations for Claude Giroux. Uh, when it comes to mentorship, I'd say certainly is met and potentially exceeded, but I'd say more met. As for the year, I'd say he's has met expectations. Um, his scoring was a bit down, still a bit down, 
Um, but I think that's has facilitated other people scoring more. Um, his leadership of the team, I think he's been uh, a fine captain. I'd say Claude Giroux has definitely met expectations. Yeah, it's a meets. It's a meets for me too. Yeah, I, I, I don't have any much more to add than what you guys said. I, I, I will say that I've, um, I've kind of seen him kind of grow in his role as almost like the 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 senior man on on the team at this point you know thinking back to early in his career where he was clearly like that the young gun it's been nice to kind of watch him progress with the team the whole time and and kind of start to embrace the that role as um you know i wouldn't say on on the downside of his career but certainly um certainly the veteran presence in the team. And I feel like he's been really steady with that and, and kind of embraced the role. Yeah. He's definitely on the back nine. He might be on whole nine, you know, he might be on a uh, whole 10, um, but he's definitely on the, the back nine of, uh, of his career. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's move over to the Sixers. We're not going to do performance reviews of the six, maybe next week uh, just for the interest of time, but the Sixers, Oh hell yeah! Beat the Celtics. <laughs> Joel Embiid, man, brought the thunder. So uh, I think the discussion with the Sixers this week has to kind of almost begin and end with 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 a, with the center, with the face of the franchise, with the center man, and uh, I mean a lot of criticism from a lot of different places this this week. Dave, how do you think that he has? both vocally responded and responded with his play. And did you agree with the criticism? hundred percent agree with the criticism. There's no way you can disagree with it. I mean, it's true. If you want to be great, you got to come in every night and be great. If, um, fucking Joe DiMaggio can say, you know, I play every game. Is he the one who said that? Like I play every game hard. Cause it could be the first time someone's watching me play. Yeah. I think that that's right. That's the mentality I want. I want Joel Embiid to have. Like, I want him to know that there's some kid that's never seen Joel Embiid play before, and I want him to blow that kid's mind. And I mean, he could do it. He he can do it. You know. It, and to me, it's like it's fine if you want to sit on a back to back. That's fine. But like at the games that you play, like why? Like why wouldn't you try to dominate? So I agree with the criticism 100. percent the, the thing that kind of, uh, I don't know, I don't know if it's good or bad, but the thing that is weird to me is I, I know that Brett Brown has encouraged him to do this. And I don't say I know that he's done it because I've like have some sort of inside information. I just like, mean like, like you were in the office. No way any coach would, would be like, you know what? I, I think it's cool that you like take half your games off and sleepwalk through them. So you know Brett is trying to get this kind of performance out of him regularly, but it's going to take either a public call out on television. I don't know if that's what's bothering him or if it's just like, all right, well, my coach is my coach, but now I'm hearing it from Hall of Fame caliber players. Uh, so I don't know what it is. That's and the other thing is, is like, you know, is this going to carry or was that a one-time thing? You can never tell with him. For me, I wondered if it was an extension of load management. And I know we just talked uh, a lot about the Flyers, but it reminds me of Chris Pronger versus Mike Richards. Mm -hmm. Chris Pronger 
was a veteran. He played a lot of minutes. He knew how to step back. He knew how to, you know, give 100% for 50% of the game and, you know, 80% for the rest and still be a really effective defenseman. And Mike Richards clearly didn't. You know, he, you know, he was saving himself for the playoffs or whatever the case may be, but his lack of effort showed he looked disinterested. And I wonder if that's what's happening with Embiid now of going, hey, you have to save yourself for the playoffs. You're a big man. You're going to be prone to to breaking down. You know, how do you give less than 100 percent or? Yeah, yeah. it could be one of those things where he's hearing mixed messages. Yeah. But here's my thing, though. I think you can do both of those things to a certain degree. Um, I don't need Joel Embiid in a game in November diving to make it to to save a ball that's going out in a second quarter of 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 a regular season game. But I do want to see at least the mental reps there. There's no reason to mentally be taking the game off. If you want to physically not do some of these things that, yes, you are capable of doing, but maybe you don't need to exceed those, uh, you know, to to fly above, uh, you know, physically what you need to do athletically. But my my problem with Joel is sometimes you can kind of see him mentally taking time off. You see him go into these lapses where he just makes poor decisions, both with the ball and, and, and turning the ball over. And those sorts of things you can be giving 100% when you're in the game mentally all of the time. You can be thinking 100%, I think, all of the time. And I've, I, my frustration usually comes with those dumb plays, your, your, your stupid mistakes that don't need to happen. That's a really good point, Gene. That's a really good point of, hey, you know, we understand you maybe don't give 100% physically, but you should be checked in. I mean, you know, 100% maybe, you of the time. Can't, maybe he can't separate the two. That's a good but, point as what, well. What do, you, what do you guys make of these comments that's that were, you know, after the, um, was it after the Nuggets game? I, I don't know which game it was where he basically said, like, you know, you know, we were on a roll. Then the fight happened with Towns. Um, you know, yeah, it was after I was the told, Nuggets game, yeah. Yeah, I was told to, you know, be more mature, reel it in. Um, but like that just doesn't that doesn't do it for me. Like I need to be out there trash talking, having fun, playing off the crowd. You buy in that? Well, I think he to a certain degree, it goes back to maybe the idea that there are mixed messages being sent to him. I'm sure that he had to have a conversation, whether it was with Elton Brand or with the coach or whatever. I sort of feel like in this particular case, it probably came from Elton because, you know, I'm sure that Larry. Uh, that 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 Brett Brown's I almost call him Larry Brown for God's sake. Um, that I'm sure that Brett Brown kind of wants to stay out of those sorts of situations. Like he kind of wants to keep it strictly basketball, strictly business. Uh, and that Elton probably had to come down and be more of like the you know this is coming from the company. So I think that probably Joel kind of looked at that as oh I'm 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 really in the doghouse with the organization. And Joel I think really does take pride in the fact that. 
he is the face of this organization. He calls himself the process. He has embodied and embraced everything that the Sixers have kind of become. And that is, uh, like, by no fault of his own. Like, this is by his design. So to have probably Elton Brand or somebody, maybe even Josh Harris, call him in and be like, you know, Joel, this is not what we want to project. This is not the image we want to project of the Sixers. That kind of probably made him take it, take a step back and be introspective because I do think that he's kind of an, an introspective guy and kind of say like, hey, what am I putting out there? Is it really negative? And I think maybe that is why he's kind of taken this, you know, I can't have fun kind of thing. And it's I don't think that they had ever any, any intention of, of completely neutralizing what he what he calls I'm having fun. But what they don't want is him to become like a WWE superstar. <laughs> they yeah, want him. He's he's a he's a kid. He's like, you know, uh, you know, if he's watching TV or whatever, it's like, hey, would you would you mind turning that down a little? little bit and he'll be like all right well fuck it i'm not gonna watch it at all and just exactly off and leaves the room <laughs> right and so i mean it's like don't have fun do it like pump the crowd up trash talk do it just don't punch anybody right right like know where the line is you know you can trash talk but like in any good like battle you should know where the line is you know you know there's there's a we're, we're gonna trash talk and it's fun and then but I'm not going to say something about your dead mother. Like you, you should know. And and clearly, he he must have done something with Towns. And then like when you have the fight, I guess probably what Brand said was, "Hey man, like let's not like whip everybody into a lather and then hop on Twitter and and call him basically a pussy. Like let's let's stop it at some point. Like they're 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 like let's not keep it going for three days. Now we, the three of us, and most of fandom, we we ate that up with a spoon. We were like Zeke Elliott on our phones that week but I think to Elton Brand's point is we would much rather be getting these headlines because we are uh, you know leading in the standings rather than leading in Twitter follows yeah and it must be hard for him to separate the two you know Dave you say he's like a big kid out there and when it comes to professional athletes or even any of us you know like part of the way you do things become they become associated and the effort it takes to disassociate it you know if it's two percent of his energy to you know trash talk without you know committing war crimes you know like trash talk without you know insulting someone's dead mother if it if it distracts him from his game two percent five percent well Maybe that small percentage is what makes him a, a superstar. So it, it's got to be tough to to walk that line when you develop your game with the trash talk and the intensity being together with all your basketball fundamentals. And out of the lineup today with uh, respiratory illness, I mean, you ever see a player that's that's it's out of the lineup because he's sick as often as this guy and, and, and the airborne dude like Zycam. something yeah I, I, <laughs> on the regular yeah some emergency uh, maybe it's i'm short so i don't know I'm if just some packets the, some emergency packets i don't know if like when you when you're seven feet tall the atmosphere is differently and like bacteria oh like cool, you know hangs around up there but I, i've never been up that hall except for like when i play chicken in the pool i just don't want to be around and joel and beat always like hacking it like oh god with no, the respiratory be that can't be all right well hey hey let's uh let's cough something up into chuck's penalty box 
Oh, you are as eloquent as you are refined, Dave. Uh-huh. And I'm going to hack this right back to you. Dave, who is in your penalty box this week? Fucking Patriots are in my penalty box this week. Because they're cheaters. Mm-hmm. And I hate them. <laughs> and you cannot convince me any other way that they're cheaters. They're filming the Bengals sidelines. It's Spygate all over again. Uh, it, it came out, or at least it was reported this week, that the, the, the they were instructed during Spygate if they were ever caught uh, to say they were filming a television program. That is the exact excuse that was given this week. Why do you need to cheat against the Patriots? It leads me to believe that they do this every week to every team. Uh, It's impossible to convince me otherwise. Patriots, you're a bunch of cheaters. Short and to the point, uh, Patriots are getting a – Double minor, two points for just being the Patriots. That's good enough for a penalty in of itself. And two points for blatantly, uh, two points, Jesus. Two minutes for blatantly cheating. Uh, That's a double minor to the Patriots. Uh, We all hate you. Gene, who is in your penalty box this week? Now, this particular situation I'm going to talk about, there were so many stupid things that that came along with this this incident but i'm going to put referee walt anderson into nfl referee walt anderson into the penalty box and the reason i'm going to is and i'm sure both of you are like who the hell is walt anderson uh he was the referee that officiated the coin toss in the uh rams and cowboys game uh did you guys hear anything about this is this totally i i did not okay so Cowboys captain Dak Prescott calls the toss. The Cowboys win the toss. And when asked what he would like, Dak Prescott says, I will kick. and Or, or we will okay. kick. Now, okay. Walt Anderson then asked him again, are you, know, are you sure? You know, and, and again, he responded, we will kick. And then I, he was like, oh, okay. And I think after that, after the decision had kind of been made, he finally was like, I, I mean defer. I, I, I mean we'll defer. But basically, the rule in the NFL is when you win the coin toss, it's you're not you know saying kick or you know you we'll are see. saying kick or or take the the ball. But basically, winning the coin toss gives you the choice. And what you're saying is, I am deferring the choice to the second half. So if you say kick, you are in fact making a choice. So you have now given the option. To the Rams, you 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 haven't deferred your option. So the Rams were supposed to get the kick in the first half and the kick in the second half. Now they were down twenty eight seven, I think, at the end of the half. It would maybe wouldn't have mattered much, but that was the plan when they walked away from midfield. The NFL then stepped in halfway through the through the for the first half and decided, oh no, Dak Prescott just he got he, he did. We watched the tape. He did kind of say defer at some point. So when the Rams came in for halftime, having spent the entire half playing as if they were going to get the second half ball back, they were told by the NFL, no, no, you're still going to have to kick it back to the Cowboys. So my beef is with the referee who you had the option right then and there to nip this in the butt. If he says kick, blow the whistle, let's get this game started. But no, he had to ask again, him and Hall. And for God's sake, like, get it under control, NFL. Know how to operate a freaking coin toss. 
Wow, I learned a lot right there. And um, the NFL and the referee in question, whose name I've forgotten. Walt uh, Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Walt Anderson. Uh, Mr. Anderson, you are getting a five-minute major for facilitating a, a cowboy fuck-up. Uh, they said kick when they meant defer. You saved them from themselves, and the NFL followed up on it. That's a five-minute major from saving someone from themselves. Chuck, who's in your penalty box? Thank you. So I am putting in the NHL and the NHLPA. They're going into the penalty box over the World Cup of Hockey. Now, we all know the, you know, quad uh, quadrandrial. I messed that up. But the every four-year event of the World Cup of Hockey, right? Right? It's every four years? No, um, it's not. No. You mean, the, like, you mean the Olympics? Like the Winter Olympics? Is that what uh, you mean? No. No, not the Winter Olympics. It's separate. It's something different. And it has been played exactly three times. Once in 1996, the USA won. Once in 2004, Canada won. And once in 2016, Canada won. So that was an eight-year gap <laughs> and then a 12-year gap when they brought it back in 2016 with the idea that they would make it an every four-year event. And they couldn't get their act together for 2020. So they decided they'd go to 2021, which is interesting, but they decided they'd do that. 2021 didn't come together. I don't know why, but it didn't. So now they're going to do 2024 and 2028. Guys, it's a four, every four-year tournament. If you want people to follow it and treat it seriously, come up with a 12-year plan. Don't introduce it in 2016 and go, hope we can do it again in four years. When you introduce it in 2016, go, we have plans for 2020. We have plans for 2024. You have to make a habit of it. You have to have people look forward to it and rely upon it. But the World Cup of Hockey is always going to be an irrelevant tournament unless you can get your act together and present it on some sort of schedule. So for the NHL and the NHLPA, congratulations. You managed to work together on something. You managed to work together on screwing up the World Cup of Hockey. You're getting a 10-minute game misconduct. Take your time. Figure this shit out. Woo. All right. That's all the time we have for today. Uh, join us next Monday where we're going to be covering the Eagles Dallas game um, amongst uh, amongst all the other stuff. So uh, uh, we'll see you next Monday. Until then, uh, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, also, check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you have any time in your podcast listening day, uh, extra time in your podcast listening day, be sure to check out The Whip Around, our favorite non-sports-related podcast. Um, all right, so until next week, have a great day at work, everybody. We are out of here. <laughs>